Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... We're gonna spoil this movie. But in all seriousness, Sleuth is an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it... Don't listen to this podcast. It will be ruined, and then you'll hate this movie. Go watch this movie now. We'll wait. Have you watched it yet? Okay, now listen to us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Working Title, the podcast where we review some of the best movies in the English-speaking world as ranked by IMDb. Today's movie is Sleuth. Uh, the 1972 film starring Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine, um, based on a play of the same name. Uh, pretty well-regarded play, pretty well-regarded movie, pretty well-regarded actors. Um, yeah, before we get too deep into what this movie is and what's it about, we want to introduce you to our reviewers here in the digital studio with us and. You've heard a little bit about them in previous podcasts. Today, you're going to hear about what their method for reviewing these movies is. Mike, what's your method? Um, my method is to watch the 2007 version of the movie Sleuth, uh, which I thought was based on a <laughs> 1972 version of a movie based on a play. Um, you did think right. That is correct. I don't even want to touch this one. Shane... Did you watch the 1972 version? I may or may not have watched a movie based on the play of a sleuth. Did, did you watch the play? Now that I can deny. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, what's your method? I um, I like to get it nice, dim the lights, I get set up, I have a couple drinks, and then I promptly fall asleep during <laughs> key plot points. <laughs> and then... Don't realize that I've fallen asleep until about five minutes before recording. <laughs> yes, we're starting late tonight because Shane went back and rewatched the finale of this movie. <laughs> I believe that was also Plato's method of learning how to do things. Yeah, he yeah. believed in not the written word and sleeping. Yeah, um, it's actually the Socratic method. Anyway, oh. uh, June, what's your method? Uh, I like to take the movies and assign them a... Uh, a score based on the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Hmm. See, I thought you were going to assign it a musical score, and that's a great way to judge a movie. And uh, would it be spoiling this movie to ask what the type for Sleuth is? You know, pre-review, I think we're sitting at a good uh, INFP. <laughs> Myers-Briggs. <laughs> uh for a third of our audience that gets that reference, congratulations. You know, Shane, uh, Myers-Briggs are pretty popular. <laughs> Extremely popular. Well, I and said a third. Who's Myers-Briggs? <laughs> <laughs> Did you even watch the movie? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Myers-Briggs was the, uh, the high schooler that starred in the play I watched. <laughs> and... Uh, my my method is I like to skip the first half of the movie because I know Shane's usually good to stay awake that long. Yes. And then uh, when we come time to record, we can usually Voltron our experience together <laughs> into one functional review. <laughs> A form of 
a movie. Yeah, that's not Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, here's the Megazord of our review. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into the plot synopsis, just uh, as you may have surmised from the title Sleuth, it's kind of a mystery thriller film. To clarify, it is the 1972 film that is on the list. Yes. Yeah. Okay, wait, just clarification. Is the 2007 film elsewhere on the list? It is not. Okay, so we're not going to re-review the same movie in two months <laughs> all right so um it like we mentioned it stars uh michael kane and Laurence olivier uh before we dive into the plot details uh, was there some commentary that we wanted to to discuss the 2000 film 2007 film got terrible reviews compared to the 1972 which is really strange because it's the same movie <laughs> i i hope for your sake it is <laughs> yeah, Mike, I'm getting more and more concerned that they're not. <laughs> but anyway, June, I, I I believe you wanted to discuss the opening scene, June. Um, Yeah, I just thought it was really cool. We see another uh, long uh, single take opening with that maze. Um, and that I would, you know, I'd find out later was kind of a little foreshadowing of events. Um, basically, it's a it's an overhead shot of. Michael Caine's character walking through one of those like hedge mazes at uh, Laurence Olivier's character's house uh, before he actually meets him for the first time. It was a good shot. And uh, those of you astute listeners will uh, will start to notice that there is nary a uh, long continuous take that is not noticed by our own June. I'm all about those long continuous takes. That's uh, that's kind of kind of his thing. And uh, anyway, I guess with that contribution, you're you're done for the night. Yes. All right. Well, I'll catch you for the next one, or at least the the next movie that does a long take. Before we go too far, June, <laughs> was this a film noir? You know, I it did not have the uh, the key elements of a noir. You mean black and white and Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> it had neither of those things. Not a film noir. <laughs> I'd like to bring up that Michael Caine was a good-looking dude. I I was thinking James Bond. He would have been perfect. Way better than Roger Moore. Like, for sure. So I didn't actually re- recognize him. I was looking for him because I knew he was in the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was but, one of two well, characters. <laughs> and, you know, 1972, but, like, I, I just assumed that Michael Caine came out of the womb looking like he does today. So it's it was interesting to to see him. Anyway, um, why don't you get us started on what happens in this movie, Mike? So after the recap of June talking about the uh, the little hedge mage at the very beginning, hedge maze at the very beginning, uh, this movie has to do with two characters: uh, Michael Caine, who is played Milo Tyndall, and uh, Andrew uh, Wyke. Wick. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So these two characters are the key players throughout this entire movie. In fact, they're the only characters that we actually see in this movie. Um, Milo is the hairdresser, uh, Italian heritage, who is having an affair with Andrew's wife. Andrew is a novelist who writes crime fiction. And Milo is 
invited to Andrew's house to meet him uh, to discuss a proposition. In other words, Andrew knows that Milo is having this affair with his wife and Andrew brings him into his house to propose a deal with Milo in order to take his wife off of his hands. In other words, he's kind of over his wife. He knows that he's having an affair and this very British back and forth rhetoric goes on where Milo and Andrew come up with a plan for Milo to fund his wife's level of living by stealing some jewels from Andrew. And they, they come up to with it together and he says to Milo that like, you know, I'll make this ruse with you. I'll make this heist to go into my house and I'll talk you through it so you can get these jewels and I'll make an insurance claim at the end of it. And you can go off my wife. You can live happily ever after. Andrew says that he has a mistress and he really doesn't care. So in the very beginning, we have this back and forth where Andrew ends up really kind of playing Milo as a fool. He makes him dress up as a clown and he like goes through this whole scenario where he walks him through his own robbing of his own house until we get to the point where it turns out that Andrew is actually uh, just really making a fool out of Milo. I mean, obviously he's dressed him like a clown and he, he says that he's, you know, he's actually doing this because he can't believe that a hairdresser Italian would be the person to take his wife away from him. And he pulls a gun on him and he ends up holding him at, you know, at a gunpoint. And the last scene, he shoots him. And you think that, you know, Milo's begging for his life, but he still like murders Milo where he rolls down the stairs and collapses on the ground. And Andrew kind of walks over, he checks his pulse and then kind of laughs about it and walks away. Yeah, that uh, takes us through the first section of the movie there. And one thing before we dive into open commentary that I really want to highlight is just how fucking weird this guy's house is. He just has an obsession with with games, which is understandable. Who doesn't love a good board game or whatever weird game he plays? But um, also, as he calls them, automata of like weird, like they're like the the prototypes of the Chuck E. Cheese animatronic band just doing random <laughs> shit in his house. Um, yeah, what what do you all think of this? I'd like to put something in. It's more of a... I, did you all notice in the beginning when he gets to the labyrinth and he meets up with him as he's doing his recording and he goes, would you like a drink? And he names like a gin and tonic and he's like, oh, I'm... He like opens a stone that's a bar, which was really cool. But he had like none of the drinks that he wanted. He had basically one drink in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, what would you like? Oh, you didn't guess what I had? That's too bad. Here's gin. <laughs> and then you know it's real because Michael Caine drinks it and he like gags a little bit. They like cut away, but he just like you could like, oh wow, that's straight gin. This uh this is concerning to hear you say that, Shane. I'm I'm beginning to suspect that you don't have a a stone secret gin stash in your yard maze. No, I am not a knockoff Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Therefore I do not have these things. I mean June, you've got a boo stash in your yard maze, right? Yep, and it is stone. Yeah. From the Orient. Yeah, well, <laughs> not the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> it's Asian. <laughs> so just to confuse everybody, in the, well, okay. 2000s, in, the, in the 2007 adaptation, oh, God Michael Caine already had a drink poured for Milo. Like that, He didn't even ask him what he wanted. He already gave them whiskey. Wow, they're just going to totally shit on the original, huh? Yeah, just like that. I mean... It really emphasized the Britishness of it in the original to have only gin. 
and, and just like a kind of a forewarning, I'm completely already open to the fact that all of my uh, contributions are going to be cut from this. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone also have trouble with like how British it was? I had a dictionary just to get through the opening scene. I was like, oh, no. Um, an, an English dictionary? <laughs> English to English. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the strangest thing. I could surprisingly <laughs> spell the words that I didn't know what they meant. Is is that like the um, English to Asian dictionary that you and McGregor had in Big Fish? Orient, <laughs> dude, not the preferred nomenclature. How did you make it worse? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a good point about the house. Well, first of all, it's like this weird mansion castle thing with like weird passageways, and it's like all these weird creepy dolls, very Kafka-esque. And he like... Can we take a I, quick pause? Hmm. What Kafka have you read, June? Trick question. Kafka's not a book. <laughs> all right, let's proceed. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? For you rudely interrupted? Yeah, so the... And I'll the... rudely interrupt again. <laughs> <laughs> Before okay. uh, Andrew starts uh, Milo on this like ruse thing, he introduces uh, the jewels that he's supposed to f fake steal or whatever, and uh, he has him play a game to like find it in in his study, and uh, I think he he ends up like doing some weird Sherlock Holmes analysis, and he like figures out it's behind the dartboard, and he throws a dart at the the bullseye and it opens up to reveal a safe and so like do you have to hit the bullseye does it have to be a dart can you just go up and press it it it, it sounds like it's it's very like <laughs> it's not very conducive to like just have a trying bad to... day can't get your safe open <laughs> yeah <laughs> can i also missing? mention that that was one hell of a throw by milo <laughs> slash michael kane like he fucking nailed that thing. Well, you yeah. had to after you got his ass beat in pool. <laughs> That's true. That, that was another thing. Like, how many takes did that? You know, how many takes did it take to do that? And was it Lawrence Olivier actually sinking those? Or they have to bring in a pool double. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also in the pool scene, some of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my life. I'll read one for the audience here. I could copulate for England from any distance. I am a sexual Olympian. That was actually a line in this movie. It's, I will vouch for that. That was not a dream that Shane had. No. no. <laughs> Apparently the rest of the film is. I, will, I won't lie. After the first act, um, I won't be able to do any truly intellectual input into this. Not like I was giving any before, but... All right. Anyway, so um, yeah. What else about this uh, this section? Um, dizzying assortment of games. Very creepy salt cellar. Um, what so, else? I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but did you? Uh, it the the plot definitely like it got me. You know, I was like, oh, sh like shit. He killed. You know, he killed Milo. Just in the beginning, like that. Yeah that that surprised me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, you knew something was up because the weird game they were playing, you're like, this can't be it. <laughs> and, like, 
so going back to that whole thing, like it was, it was, it was really enjoyable to watch how Andrew was really just playing with Milo and Milo just went along with it. That was very strange. Like that Milo's just <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like let's do this weird thing. And he's like pushing Milo along and Milo's just like, well, I don't want to do this. And Andrew's like, well, you have to. And Milo's like, okay. And then does it. Like, <laughs> That's true. Cause y- y- if you think about the, the plot, not or the scheme, I should say. Yeah. He, he like, it's, he wants to stage a robbery, so obviously you got to put on your clown shoes. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, well, like his selling point was too is he's like doesn't trust him, and he's like, oh, I don't want my wife to like come back. You can have her. I just don't think you can afford her. And he's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I gotta say, uh, Milo's judgment was pretty flawed from the start. If I am uh, making a cuckold of some rich and uh, eccentric man and uh, he invites me over to discuss a proposition, <laughs> I am not showing up. And, and I'm not putting on the clown outfit. <laughs> yeah, and then I am not uh, stripping down to my skivvies in front of this guy and putting on <laughs> clown tights and clown shoes. And um, like, what part of this plot is plausible to Milo. <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't want my wife as, as you astutely pointed out, Shane, I, I was, uh, what it made me think of was, um, what's the name of the, the drill instructor from full metal jacket, gunnery sergeant Hartman or whatever. <laughs> I was like, I like you. You can fuck my wife anytime. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just, just more it's British. British version of full metal jacket. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, just take, Take my jewels. Uh, I've already lined up a fence for you in Amsterdam. Just take my take my wife. Take my jewels. I'll file insurance. Make it believable. And uh, sounds like a plan. At the end of the at the end of the ruse, it's like you're gonna take my jewels with dynamite because you can't get in the safe. You have to use dynamite. It's like okay. He's like okay. We're fine with the dynamite. He's like also this is the point where I would have caught you. And then it like goes south where yeah. you know Andrew brings the gun out and he's like wait. You would have caught me? And he's like, oh, that only makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you're well, like, oh, and there it is. <laughs> you just blew up a safe with dynamite. Well, but but first, before you blow the safe up, you have to make a very precise bullseye shot with a dart to reveal <laughs> said safe. <laughs> and prior to all of that, you used a glass cutter to silently make entry into the home. They and did that. Just, they did a glass cutter. So in the yeah. 2007 adaptation, he oh just broke God. the window. <laughs> that's just lazy screenwriting. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's one thing I want to point out is I love how this movie takes its time. You could just tell that, like with nowadays, they wouldn't do that. Like you understand every single thing about each of these characters through their all, conversation. All two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a... But I know every detail about yeah. Michael Caine and his parents what they went through, how he got his hairdressing salon, like everything. I think I nice. think during that uh that dress up scene, I, I didn't realize this was a based on a, a play. Um I actually looked it up during this scene because I was like, okay, two characters, like this was definitely meant for a stage. And I think they adapted it pretty well. Oh yeah. But it, it was very clear that the the material is pretty ripe for stage. Mm-hmm. Um I do want to take a step back. Um so as as Mike mentioned, I think part of it is part of the plot it, where it goes south is that um, 
uh, Andrew Lawrence Olivier's character uh, has to catch uh, Milo in the act and uh, initially says like, all right, you have to knock me out or tie me up or something. So it's believable. So what would have happened if he just said, all right, you have to knock me out. So it's believable. And Milo just knocks him out because that, (laughs) that seems like a precarious point to hinge this entire uh, revenge plot on. (laughs) <laughs> that he could take a punch he's got a good chin <laughs> he just walks out with expensive jewels <laughs> yeah, he's a be- sexual Olympian Jack of course he can take a <laughs> shot to the face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god oh. <laughs> yikes <laughs> oh can we not watch that movie <laughs> so Shane watched a different adaptation. So we got we have four adaptations going on. We have a play, we have the nineteen seventy two, we have a two thousand seven, and we have whatever the fuck Shane watched. <laughs> I think it was Sleuth, but spelled S L U T. As uh, as narrated by Danny DeVito. <laughs> Oh, God. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Yikes. All right. All a lot right. of substance in that first scene. Should we, uh, should we call this uh, first segment done before we we go too deep? Uh, <laughs> last last little bit of uh, British talking. He was wrecking the, uh, the room, and he's like, oh, is that good? And he goes, uh, do like that, but not so Carthaginian. And I was like, oh, my God. This is so British and wonderful. All right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mike, take us through the next bit. (laughs) Okay. So, a couple of days later, uh, a policeman shows up at uh, Andrew's door, Inspector Doppler. And (laughs) his name is Doppler. We'll figure that out later. Um, Kind of on the nose. But Doppler is investigating the the missing person, Milo, who uh, hasn't shown up, according to uh, Doppler explaining this to Andrew. Andrew explains that he doesn't know what he's talking about and tries to kind of play it off. Uh, invites Doppler in, and Inspector Doppler ends up accusing Andrew of uh, essentially murdering Milo. And he goes through a plethora of evidence, like undoubted evidence, and even starts to make Milo, or sorry, Andrew uh, break down and start to uh, confess that the fact that he actually set this up uh, as a ruse for Milo to come to his house and he wanted to scare him and pretend to shoot him. It turns out that the gun he used had a blank in it and that he ended up sending Milo on his way and Milo went out the door and he doesn't know what happened to him. Uh, so Inspector Doppler gets Andrew to the point where he is uh, terrified that he is going to be convinced of a murder, convicted of this murder of Milo. Uh, he goes through a bunch of evidence, goes through, he finds blood. He talks about, like, there's buried out in the back garden. And he's, like, going over how Milo has not been showing up. Nobody knows what happened to him. And uh, Andrew ends up breaking down and tries to escape. But De- uh, Inspector Doppler tackles him down to the ground and then reveals himself to be Milo in makeup and disguise. At, at, you know, doing this bizarre show of uh trickery against andrew for revenge for the embarrassment that he got from andrew's ruse on milo stellar performance by jude law 
<laughs> it actually was fantastic. The part where he was drinking the beer, it was amazing. Well, there was no beer in the 1972 version. It was in 2007. They just drank nonstop brandy. <laughs> no, Jude Law played this disgusting detective. He's all like sweaty and shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> Mike, it kind of sounds like you watched one section of one movie, then the next section of another, <laughs> and just like... And enjoyed one over the other? I absolutely. 2007 <laughs> outdid 72. So, I can't tell you when I fell asleep in this part, but I did fall asleep in this part. <laughs> oh. I enjoy. I, I saw all the evidence being laid out. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty compelling, though. What I wonder is, where was competent Milo in the last section? <laughs> like, That's we went true. from, like, yeah, just yeah. Uh, steal my wife and my jewels and we'll call it good. Oh, okay, so it's good. And, uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, 2000, in the 2007 version, he lost his mind from step one to step two, and that's why he came back as an inspector, because he was crazy at that point. Made a lot more sense. I I don't know not... that it does. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so um one thing I am curious about. So uh real quick so flashback to the the first section, right? As part of the ruse, okay, so um Andrew kind of reveals that he intends to kill Milo and lets Milo try to escape. Milo runs out to his car before he realizes his keys have been like picked out and he can't drive away and he gets caught by Andrew and brought back into the house, right? It makes a big point of showing like the uh, the embossed uh, initials MT on the car. And, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of that. Like it, it just makes a big point of showing that car. Then in the second uh, section where Inspector Doppler is kind of uh, cornering uh, Andrew with all of this evidence, real or fabricated, it, the camera pans over this car hidden in the bushes. Mm -hmm. What is that supposed to mean? I may have answered this for myself talking through it, but my initial on my initial viewing of that, I was like, is it supposed to indicate that um, he killed Milo and hid the body in his car? So but I thought I actually had a similar question and you actually just answered it for me. Yeah, I think I've answered it for myself as well. But Yeah, so he was... Uh, I think that was a prop to sway the audience into like really believing that you know he killed Milo uh -huh. and that was just the car that Milo drove there and then hit it. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because now that I think about it it cuts both ways. Yeah, that was very deep actually. Yeah, that's that's clever. I I want to mark this moment in podcast history because this is the first time we've ever said anything remotely insightful about a movie <laughs> yes <laughs> i think i contributed quite a bit in our last podcast yep um unfortunately it's all on the cutting room floor <laughs> but yeah now so, that now that we think about it that's really clever because on rewatch it's it's a really clear indicator that inspector doppler is milo I, yeah i thought it was pretty clear as soon as he walked into the room but but i do get what you guys oh, are oh, you mean when you woke up and he took all the makeup off? 
No, I woke up and I was like, oh, that's Michael Caine. And then I fell back asleep. When, <laughs> when you woke up and Inspector Doppler was gone and Milo was back. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, oh, shit, the cops are here. He's in trouble. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought that was brilliantly acted, very well done on the makeup. Ha- didn't have the slightest idea that that was Milo. Really? See, you know, I, I thought it was Milo when Detective Doppelganger showed up, showed up as fucking Milo. What? <laughs> what? Detective Doppler with Michael Caine's voice. But he used a different but voice. It was a very different voice. <laughs> uh, anyway. Christ, this is so off the rails. <laughs> I mean, I would say I was suspicious of it from only like, but only from like a a meta knowledge perspective i thought that um originally when i first watched it i thought that andrew had gone crazy and this was kind of his conscience putting him on trial you know what i mean like this was all like he Mm. created the detective doppler to like put himself on trial yeah the part that uh confused me is I didn't think Jude Law was acting in 1972. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it might have been a third character. Does this Jude Law reference make any sense to anyone who's listening to this? <laughs> in, in, in the 2007 film, Jude Law plays Michael Caine's character and Michael Caine plays Laurence Olivier's character. So <laughs> now that we've explained that, rewind 30 minutes and... <sighs> I do I do actually want to go back to the first uh game, I guess we can call it. Uh what a stupid stupid plot on on Andrew's part. Two cuz he demonstrates his gun twice with live rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is a blank. And like yes. God forbid he you know, <laughs> rotated the <laughs> cylinder once without yeah. noticing. This, yeah. Um, yeah that could have gone awry real quickly. Though I think it's intentional. I think part of this movie is um, kind of mocking Andrew for like being so, like thinking crime novel shit is the real world. Yeah. Because that's. Yeah. I mean, by crime novel logic, it all makes sense, right? Like, oh, wear clown shoes. So they'll think like, oh, like, <laughs> you know, you can't tell his foot size because he's wearing clown shoes or whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I thought it was going to end with him. Remember how in the beginning he's referencing the tennis court and how the body got to the tennis court? I was mm-hmm. so waiting for Michael Caine's body to be on a tennis court or something, but it never came to fruition. But Yeah, well, that would have been hard to do in the stage play, so... <laughs> touche so i'm realizing now i actually saw more of this part than i realized uh which is nice you osmosed it in your sleep <laughs> i i passively gained enough to talk about this it's nice <laughs> but uh i like the second game and once again these actors are just so good like i mean it, obviously Lawrence olivier and michael Caine are good actors but it this whole movie hinges on their performance and their ability to keep your eyes on the screen. That's and a good point. Don't let me me falling asleep be any indicator <laughs> how good they are. They're <laughs> incredible. Like you are hanging on every word from them. 
Yeah. Let's see. Mike, do you have any uh, any commentary you want to add to this one or anybody have any commentary in this section? I think it's been covered pretty fully. All right. You want to take us through the uh, kind of the next uh, phase of the sleuthing? So at this point, we have a one-to-one kind of a, a ruse with each other. Andrew has tricked uh, Milo, and Milo has now tricked Andrew. So they're kind of at a standoff, and they're definitely trying to show their their grit as British uh, intellectuals. So we go into the final portion of this film where Milo is not done yet. He has now made Andrew look a fool by pretending to be an inspector, and he takes it a, a step further where he now tells Andrew that he has actually set up a real murder so andrew being this murder novelist and 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 detective novelist he has now set up a real life murder for him and he says what he has done is he has actually murdered andrew's mistress tia and there is evidence throughout his house convicting him to this murder and he has a few minutes i think it's 13 minutes or 15 minutes in order to find all this evidence before the police arrive to arrest him um, Andrew doesn't believe this, of course, as a rational human being wouldn't, and contacts Tia's roommate, who, teary on the phone, tells Andrew that, yes, she has been strangled in the night, and, you know, there has been a murder. So now Andrew is in panic mode, and now Milo is doing the same thing Andrew did in the first scene, or the first section of this movie. He's making Andrew run around this house and do these ridiculous games and, and puzzles in order to find this evidence in order to hide it before the police show up at his house. So Andrew is frantically going through all these, you know, cabinets and drawers and he's looking for these evidence and Milo is just kind of directing him through it until the point where the police show up and Milo goes down to distract him while he has a little last minute to kind of straighten himself up and Andrew comes down and finds out that there are no police and it's another plot by Milo to uh, revenge and, and humiliate Andrew into thinking that he actually had to do these little games and, and to prove himself to Milo. Yeah, this was a tense one. What did y'all think of this? So knowing the rest of the film, there's a big old like neon sign that says Milo's just fucking with Andrew again. But me as the viewer was still like, holy shit, Michael Caine's a psychopath. Like, <laughs> like definitely did not even think for a minute that this was another um another game yeah michael kane really sold it and there's there's a lot of scenes here where it's it feels like very like emotional confessions or mm-hmm. like a you know milo at one point accosts andrew for making him fear for his life and i think there was a there were some really good scenes where i mean part of the whole conflict is like that uh andrew is this uppity upper crust eccentric guy and milo is this working class rags to riches kind of person and uh andrew detests him for it for being a foreigner and uh milo really goes off on him for playing these games and uh you know, says it's not a game to him. He detests these games. It's only because Andrew is, you know, rich and eccentric that these games are amusing to him. And uh, it's interesting because this, uh, you know, the Inspector Doppler bit got them even. But Milo seems to really, or Michael Caine is portraying Milo, really seems to speak with conviction that he's getting back at 
Andrew with real murder. Mm-hmm. Which he makes a line, uh, never play the game three times or something like that. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, that at the end where they kind of both lose. Yeah. It's like... No. Yeah. Because that's what his detective always says in the books or something like that. Oh, yeah. There's also a, a great moment um, from the previous one where uh, Inspector Doppler calls Andrew out for the the fictionalized detective stuff and says, you know, effectively calls calls it a load of shit, which I feel like was kind of interesting because it was almost a, a direct blow at Andrew. And I, if I remember right, he takes some personal offense to his character being denigrated. Did I cover the fact that uh, Milo admits the fact that he actually faked Tia's death and Tia's not dead at all? I don't think it is. We have no, not mentioned that yet, no. I thought that was okay. going to be the next section. <clears throat> no, I believe that, that was that was part of this section. It, it, the big reveal with the police officers not showing up is that Milo's ruse was that the fake death of his uh, you know, concubine mistress. <laughs> I concubine. <laughs> <laughs> was actually not was actually not true and that it was a part of his ruse so now it is done it's yeah the we now have a two to one ratio of ruses the rusing has continued a two to one yeah um yeah thus far andrew has been outplayed yeah this was this was really good and to, to recap the things the the bits of evidence that were hidden um were first a, a bracelet that uh milo hid in his drink while he was drinking it and he provided riddles towards these things and kind of hints um the second was a shoe that was black and hidden among the coal in the salt cellar the third was some eyelashes on one of the animatronic monstrosities in the house Mm -hmm. and the fourth was a stocking hidden on uh the like the the pendulum of the grandfather clock I believe the uh, the prop robots in this movie were actually the same ones that showed up in uh, uh, the, or sorry, nineteen eighty two version of uh, fucking. <clears throat> this is the part where you cut this part. Excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch what movie that was. I think Mike just had a stroke. <laughs> so much of content now. Is this a ruse? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else about this section? I think uh, you can you can kind of see the uh, the role reversal between Andrew and and Milo as far as like strength of character. Um, in the beginning, you know Andrew is like, you know the Lawrence Olivier, like very eccentric, <clears throat> in control of the whole situation. And then by this scene, it's definitely Milo that's that that has Andrew on his hands and knees basically, and I think. <clears throat> that justifies like because uh, milo says like you know when the cops show up they're gonna find all this evidence and i'm like no cop is going to be like oh that's the fake eyelash it's it's on his animatronic monstrosity guilty <laughs> or, how about the, or how about the burying in the background is like there's nobody there but we'll dig it up and we'll just assume that you buried it somewhere else yeah, <laughs> old country country cops are gonna show up and solve the riddle of the spider in this maze. Like, <laughs> what, what's Milo gonna do? Walk him over to the grandfather clock, like reach up, pull yeah. a stocking out, and say, "Ta-da!" You know, 
I've never murdered anybody, but I feel like I would not take the victim's stocking and put it on my grandfather clock. That <laughs> probably wouldn't be where you stored it. <laughs> can I, can one of you guys check June's clock? <laughs> or murder tokens. <laughs> it's just overflowing with stockings. <laughs> Though, do you think this could be explained as Andrew's, you know, fictional sleuth imagination running wild with this? Well, I think it. What it's showing is they're both competing for Andrew's wife. Technically, in the end, like the whole thing is, you're not good enough for her. You're not. But he becomes Andrew. He plays Andrew's part. You know what yeah, I mean? He does in 2007. Do you think so? Do you think it's a competition for his wife? It felt a lot more personal to me. Well, I mean, they're compete. The whole crux of them competing against each other is because one is not Jude Law and the other is Michael. K- no, <laughs> they're all here because I of his Shane, wife. I hope June was laughing because of that fucking joke. <laughs> I-, I was. Yes. <laughs> the um, I don't know. It feels to me like uh, maybe the the wife was um the reason it started. But I feel like when Milo was striking back, and it, it was the reason uh, Andrew started this all and why his ruse happened, but I feel like Milo, for Milo, it's much more personal. Like, he, he transforms from someone who's just like, oh, I'm just uh, hanging out with my girlfriend to someone who is out for blood. Yeah, the wife didn't matter. She was just a Maltese falcon. <laughs> yes. Oh, the stuff it. that dreams are made of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so anything else on this uh, this segment before we move on through the finale? No, I'm, I'm good. All right, Mike, why don't you take us through how this movie ends? Uh, so this movie has a big surprise ending. Uh, so after Milo has now gone one up on Andrew, uh, Andrew is infuriated by you know him essentially being humiliated milo continues on he goes into this boasting kind of bragging uh hitting on andrew about his wife and his mistress didn't have anything to do with him he's impotent and his mistress was okay with this whole ruse that they did where she actually is not dead and where they were doing this all just to make andrew look like a fool and andrew ends up pulling a gun again and this is a real gun this time and milo just you know, acting cocky now, says, oh, yeah, go ahead. Like, I've called the cops, and I told them that, you know, if anything happens to me, they'll be here. And now they've gone, you know, two and one, and Andrew doesn't believe that, he doesn't really believe anything Milo is saying, and ends up just murdering Milo. He shoots him and, and kills him, mortally wounds him. And uh, the last scene of the movie is you hear sirens coming, and they're approaching the house, and Milo is kind of like, grabbing his way and clawing like on the ground dying and says up to him uh you better tell the police that this is all just a bloody game and that's kind of the the last sentence of this movie um and then all the puppets laugh because he hits the the button that triggers every puppet in the house yep uh was anyone else with me in thinking that the gun would not shoot a real bullet Oh, no, I was fully like, oh, he's going to kill him. And then I was thinking, wow, you went through all this effort to get killed? So I think that was the point. um, Right. Like what they were trying to have us believe, like, 
that it would be another game. But yeah. like like every other scene, I it, it had me hook, line, and sinker. I was like, yeah, he's he's gonna shoot him. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I I was not like I'm not saying I thought it was just he wasn't going to die, but I part of me was like wondering the whole time. Like I know I saw uh, Andrew load the gun, but did Milo somehow <clears throat> best him again? And I don't know, I I just thought that was just an indicator of how engaging this scene was. Hmm. I didn't think about that. Like he switched his bullets out for blanks. Yeah, that scene would become the inspiration for Dirty Harry. <laughs> oh, I, or the uh, the knockoff version, the straight to DVD Filthy Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> That's the British version. <laughs> filthy Harrison. <laughs> now, I do declare I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Did I fire six shots or seven? <laughs> 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 well, ruffian, <laughs> do you feel lucky? <laughs> well, do you? <laughs> do you um. feel prone to good fortune? <laughs> <laughs> Our next podcast will be an English rendition. <laughs> art thou fortunate? Well, art thou scoundrel? <laughs> Uh. <laughs> you know, at the, at the end of this movie, they ended up tying. It was two to two. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not yeah. sure who the winner was. I don't know if I would call it two to two. Yeah, but one person's dead, one person's in prison. That's kind of terrible. Yeah. I may have missed this, but why Why were the cops coming? Because Michael Caine called them. Yeah, it was It was a, like a double bluff then he really did have the cops coming. Yeah, but he figured it, that so that would break I think it. June, June, where you're going into is kind of like, there was a, there's a little bit of like a kind of an ambiguity to this. He never said that he actually called the cops to show up. What he said was, if you kill me, the cops will know because I told the cops that this was happening and they didn't believe me. So it's weird that the cops, I agree with you, this is very strange watching it, where the cops were suddenly showing up at the end. Never did he mm-hmm. actually say that he actually called the cops. That's weird. I totally interpreted it 15 minutes ago when I watched it. That, uh... Um, Yeah, I did find that vague and confusing at the time, but I assumed I had just missed the line. I don't know. I found it interesting. Like, the movie made it pretty clear that the cops were there. Like, there were sirens, there were police cars arriving. Though, it does make me wonder, like, the, the Bobbies of 1972 England seemed very different from the police today where I, I guess he just hopped on the phone and said, Hey, can you swing by Andrew's mansion at 1015? Exactly. Oh, the dock. <laughs> not, not <laughs> earlier, not late. Exactly then. And they did. Whereas like here you get into a fender bender and you call the cops and it takes them three and a half hours to show up. <laughs> well, they're like, there's <laughs> tonight. We go up. like, it's fine. Since apparently it's the only thing they have to worry about in the countryside, according to Andrew. Yeah, for those without context, that is a line from this movie. <laughs> and that's not going to be a line in this podcast, so it doesn't matter. I <laughs> 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 better leave all of that. <laughs> okay, so question to the the studio here. Do you think Milo intended expected to get killed or do you think he planned on walking out of there i think so 
Because the cops showed up. I mean, I don't know what he would have to gain by dying. Um, well... I don't the, know what you're getting at with this. Well, what I see is that... I know where you're getting at. He, uh, it, it seems like one like final ultimate escalation to the game where now... Um, so the whole thing is Andrew pretending to murder him for fun to humiliate him. And so it, it, I'm not totally convinced of this. I'm reasoning it through it myself. But it seems to me that one could interpret this as Milo getting one final and ultimate win over Andrew by making him follow through on the game he played initially. Absolutely. That's exactly what I got from it. I felt like Milo faced his own death. He got to the point where he was begging on his knees wearing a clown mask, thought that he died at the point that he passed out, and was so infuriated by that fact that he was going to do anything he could to get that revenge on Andrew. And he came back days later and did this entire ruse in order to, even facing his own death, again, make Andrew look like a fool. And, you know, if you carry that a little bit further... Um, when Andrew pretended to kill him, Milo thought he had died. So now is this just, he considers himself already dead and is just getting one last win on the way out. It's definitely what I took from it. He, he really pushed Andrew and he knew he was like Andrew was when he found out that, you know, there were no police at the end. Right. And that the the death was staged he went like borderline catatonic for a minute he was mm-hmm. he was well and truly beat and then milo just pushed him a bit further and he had to have known that you know that would cause some kind of effect well andrew's obviously a psychopath he he pushed a man to the point that he actually made him think he was about to murder him true to kind of well he was just bored and playing out one of his novels as yeah, a that, psych- as a fucking psychopath, anybody who plays out a fucking murder <laughs> fucking novel in his own house is a crazy person. Yeah, yeah, yeah those people. God, what weirdos, huh? <laughs> Could someone check Shane's grandfather clock? <laughs> but yeah, the more the more I talk to this theory, the more I'm convinced of it that, um, based on Milo's rant saying that for him this these aren't games, he's uh he's taking this final step to turn. Andrew's game into a reality and make him face the consequences. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That that last little soliloquy. Yeah. Nice. No, I like that. Yeah, I think that's that's my my interpretation of what happened. Um I think I think that was intentional by Andrew. He intended to get killed. Or by Milo. So Mike, was that how it should be interpreted in the two thousand seven version? Stop stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right now we've uh we've kind of taken this movie from front to back what did you all think of the this movie just in its totality any any commentary on long-running threads or just the whole thing throughout the whole thing i mean personally as somebody who watches movies and complains about them uh it actually had me going every step of the way and like stupid little things that don't make sense i was like yep uh-huh that yep that's happening <laughs> so it, i mean it it did a great job yeah, yeah. I would... oh, go, go ahead shane 
No, 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 you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, no, you go ahead. Anyway, oh. so the only... <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you have any comments? <laughs> I, I do. All right, you go ahead. Go ahead. Right, I'll go ahead. So, uh, <laughs> all right, anyway, what I... Oh, sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Please, please, you go ahead. All right, so what I was thinking with this movie is... Uh, <laughs> I'm expecting someone to interrupt me at any moment. Go ahead. Just, just go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. You, you started first. For fuck's sake, go ahead. <laughs> so what I'll say is the only part that didn't tie up perfectly is how dumb Milo was about it in the initial ruse. Like that, that's the only, maybe, maybe someone noticed something that uh, pulls this together, but he's like, yeah, I'll just put on this clown suit. Yeah, I'll take your jewels for 107,000 pounds and fence them to someone you've already arranged for me in Amsterdam. I think I think Mike kind of tied that up pretty good. Just the fact that, like, you know, once he thought he was dead, he was just a totally different person. You know, that that changes a man. Mm, yeah. Yeah, he's no longer naive. I feel like it's a, a little more of a stretch for me, but I can buy it. It just feels... I don't know, a little reachier. Well, at the beginning of the movie, I, it was like this weird like competition of who's the most British. That's what we watched in the first <laughs> part of this movie. It's like, who can be more British? And so they thought they were outsmarting each other. Like... <laughs> Mike's synopsis for the back of the DVD. Who can be more British? <laughs> All right, Shane, you, you have any thoughts on the, the totality of this movie? Yeah, I'll just say that this movie is 100% carried by the, the two actors that are in it, Olivia and Kane, and they are incredible. And as we talked through it, we started to see some of the things that the characters should have seen, but they're so good at playing who they are in the movie that you don't look for anything. You're just totally fixated on what they're saying. And so you follow the same ride. And this is probably as of right now, the best movie we've seen for acting. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, love it. Yeah, I I would agree. There's um, this willing suspension of disbelief in this movie is really strong. Now, before we move on, any any final thoughts from anyone on the movie? Yeah, I, I June is already going to cut this, but I think <laughs> that the 2007 adaptation of this movie was really good and actually on par with this 72 version, and it was. It really got bad reviews for what it was. I think the uh, 2007 was the same movie, but in a modern day take, which is really fun to watch since I have watched both as much as you guys don't like to think I did. The 2007 was a lot of fun compared to this. Well, I think I know what went wrong with the 2007 one. It's not that... This is all cut for sure. June hasn't said one word. <laughs> Welcome to Working Title, where three reviewers. <laughs> can you, can you, in a few days, will you go to June's house and make sure my stockings are on his grandfather clock? <laughs> all right, if we want to get to a serious note, I honestly thought that this was a very fun movie to watch. It was, it was honestly watching a working film of a of a play. And, you know, I love theater. I love watching this kind of rhetoric. And it was very smart and witty. 
and it was you know it had a lot of like, twists in it and that you wouldn't expect to see in a movie that you would see in a play and it was it was a lot of fun good job all right now uh with our our comments uh done we want to move on to our section where we answer questions from our audience from our listeners and by that we mean i look through yahoo answers for questions about this movie and we answer them <laughs> so this was a little trickier but we'll start with one from kevin seven uh what was the 1972 film sleuth with Lawrence olivier uh i think i can answer that for uh mr seven yeah um no 19 call him kevin mr seven was his father Ah, yes. Okay. Well, Kevin, uh, Sleuth is a 1972 British-American mystery thriller film directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, starring Lawrence Olivier and Michael Caine. The screenplay by playwright Anthony Sheffer was based on this 1970 Tony Award-winning play. Can I follow this up a little bit? Yes. 1972 movie Sleuth was about a 2007 adaptation of the 1972 movie Sleuth based on a... <laughs> so, um, next question from Melanie, uh, asked one decade ago, Sleuth 1972 or Sleuth 2007? Why? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like she listened to us. <clears throat> All right. It's like a real listener from the past. So, give me a moment. So, the 2000 version of 1972 version Sleuth is much better in showing a modern-day adaptation of this. I would fucking hope so. I would so, hope that 1972 is not better at showing a modern adaptation. <laughs> and there is your answer. Next question. All right. Um, now, next one, tangentially related, because there were only two questions about Sleuth. Uh, who's a better actor, Michael Caine or Johnny Depp? Did I get the definition of tangentially for uh, 300? Uh, it's related by way of Michael Caine. So not related to Sleuth, but like a tangent touches upon an element of Sleuth. Okay, can I get the question again now? <laughs> <laughs> who's a better actor, Michael Caine or Johnny Depp? Mm, mm. Who, who is the listener? Anonymous. Mm. Can I can I can I interrupt here? That's a stupid question. It's a stupid question. Michael King, Johnny Depp, are you serious? They're not even the same fucking genre. Obviously Johnny Depp's way better. <laughs> Transcendence was a fucking masterpiece. Alright. Good enough for me. Now, just uh I think there's some really interesting trivia about this movie that I want to share. So of course, uh it made money, well reviewed. Uh that's a given at this point in the good movie series but uh, i just found this out tonight so they were so cautious about not revealing the uh the plot of the movie or the twists that they actually credited fake actors on the movie posters i was gonna ask about that because I, I see that now like alec cawthorn as inspector Doppler. who the fuck is that that is oh. nobody so they so the uh the cast uh according to wikipedia and uh, I believe this is referencing the movie poster and promotional materials, said Lawrence Olivier as Andrew Wyke, of course, Michael Caine as Milo Tyndall, Alec Cawthorn as Doppler, John Matthews as Detective Sergeant Tarrant, Eve Channing as Marguerite Wyke, and Teddy Martin as Police Constable Higgs. Uh, which is interesting, especially because Marguerite Wyke never makes any significant appearance in the film. It's just a totally fictitious actress. <laughs> 
It's just interesting to note because uh, these fake actors have IMDb profiles. Do they? Yeah, they must yep. have. What else have they been in? <laughs> just sleuth. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So um, trivia aside, now we come to the section where we rate, or rather rank the movies ourselves uh, in an order of all the movies we have seen so far. So that's this is number six slotting in. Shane, where do you put this one? This one was tough because it was actually the first movie to legitimately compete for me for number one. But, what? Yeah. but what? I know this is your section, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> you go first. I <laughs> know. Um, I'm going to put it number two, though, because Big Fish just made me feel a lot more. It was more grandiose. This movie, stellar movie, but it's going to be my number two behind Big Fish. Interesting. Uh, Mike, it sounds like you might have an opinion somewhere in there. So I think it'd be very not classy to argue Shane's opinion. It's his opinion. Even if it's wrong, it is his opinion. Would you like to be Um, interrupted as well? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. All right. So this movie falls into... Um, number three slot, but not in the way that you guys think. 2007 adaptation is number three. Uh, 2070 or sorry, 1972 version is um, actually number four. <laughs> have, have fun with that list. Can he do that? No, no. none of that. First of just, all, none I of that made it. sense anyway. Even if you were to do it, just did it. <laughs> so I, I also want to be clear: you're putting this behind Maltese Falcon. Oh yeah. So both of them come behind Maltese Falcon. Okay, so let me break it down. Big Fish, Maltese Falcon, uh, Sleuth, 2007, and then Sleuth, 1972, (laughs) Sin City, Killing, Touchy View. Okay, June. Take us. June, June help us. (laughs) He's being quiet so he can cut all of this. (laughs) Uh, So... Like Shane, uh, this is this is I would say this was in competition for one, but uh, yeah, just Big Fish, it it had a lot more substance. Um, I also went into this with uh, not as high of hopes. You know, I kind of read the synopsis and was like, ah, you know, whatever. But legitimately, number two. Nice, and you know, I think I don't know what more I can say. Just like Shane and June, this was a real contender for spot number one. But I think Big Fish edges it. But this was just a really excellent movie. Number two for me. Now, final, final pass, final opinions. Do you recommend watching it, Mike? Uh, absolutely watch the 2007 version of Sleuth. <laughs> watch the damn movie. And uh, I take that that's your recommendation, Shane. Yeah, go see it. June? No. What? <laughs> oh. I say that because hopefully you watch this before listening to our podcast. Because <laughs> after, re- after we discuss the plot, there's no point. It, it will mean nothing to you. Oh, well played. Yeah, if you've done that, well, fuck off. See you next week. <laughs> All right, and I guess I agree with June's bizarro logic, but watch it. 
Join us next time for 1996's Sling Blade. Hey, that's my bit. Join <laughs> us next time for 1996's Sling Blade. <laughs> All right, let's let's kill this. Join us next oh. time for June.